Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Positively Farming Media. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. Last summer, we talked a little bit about growing extra produce in our gardens, specifically for donation. I will leave a link to that episode in this episode's description. This week, I have the pleasure of interviewing two folks from After the Harvest, an organization here in the Kansas City metro area that rescues fruits and vegetables from going to waste and donates them to agencies that serve hungry people in the greater Kansas City area. Their volunteers glean after the harvest, picking what's left in farmers' fields and picking up already harvested leftover produce. They bring together volunteers, growers, financial donors, and food agencies, all participating in fighting hunger, improving nutrition, and reducing food waste. Now, our farm has donated to After the Harvest for years at one of our local farmer's markets, and I was happy to reach out to get them on this show to not only spread their mission here locally, but to speak to you about how you can get involved in whatever organization facilitates the movement of fresh fruits and vegetables in your area to the people who need it the most. So take a listen to my conversation with Brooke and Clay from After the Harvest and maybe think about the ways you can be helping this movement in your own area with produce from your own garden. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. Brooke and Clay with After the Harvest, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. Um, Let's start with Brooke. Brooke, what is your role at After the Harvest and how did you come to be involved with the organization? Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I know, yeah, we were trying to schedule this for a while Um, The end of our season last year got really crazy. So I appreciate you having us um, and we're excited to be here. Um, So I am the volunteer and community engagement coordinator with After the Harvest. Um, So basically what that means is I am working with all of our volunteers and then our handful of community partners. So Right now, we work with two um, local elementary schools um, through their Caring for Kids program. And so basically, we just work with their staff and are basically just there as a resource for them to help with anything that they need, like events or getting produce to their families and things like that. 
But most of the time I'm working with volunteers and trying to fill um, our shifts and stuff because we have a lot of volunteer opportunities May through November. Um, And so I'm just working to try and get as many um, people as we can to help because we basically run on volunteer, (laughs) on volunteer work. I can imagine that is a very busy position to be in trying to manage all of those volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I started with after the harvest, it was literally, I think a year ago is when I started interviewing Clay. Um, and then I, I started in April of last year. So right before our, our really busy season, um, started, but I have a background in environmental science and then have a, uh, master's in sustainable communities And basically my research was looking at food insecurity and how we can make our food system more just um, and stuff like that. And so this is kind of what After the Harvest does is like right up my alley and right in my interests. Um, But I was actually working in a corporate job a year ago, Um, you know, how how it happens. And I actually wasn't really actively looking, but my husband knew that like I wasn't really fulfilled in my work and it kind of happened after I had my son. I was just like, oh, this corporate job is just not really very fun. Um, And he just like did like a really quick search on a whim one day and was like, hey, here's like this job. Maybe you should just apply and see what happens. And really crazy that it ended up happening. Um, Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool story and started in April and then we had a crazy busy season, had some new events that we did um, last summer that were really busy and really fun. And Clay and I are like each other's sidekicks for (laughs) May through November, basically. (laughs) Work spouses. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Fun fact, Brooke, actually, I was a dual major in sustainability when I was going for my horticulture degree. That is so cool. Yeah, I ended up dropping it because I really wanted to like graduate and they weren't going to let me do that until I finished all the sustainability stuff. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'll go back to it. And no, I haven't gotten back to it, but (laughs) it doesn't mean that my heart's not still there, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. So Clay, what about you? What is your role at After the Harvest and how did you get involved with the organization? Yeah, um, so my name is Clay Jarrett. I am the Gleaning Network Manager of After the Harvest, and that is basically the program manager. So I've manage all of our programs. I work with Brooke with the volunteers, as well as working with all of the farms and distributors that we work with. I have recently started taking over the truckloads program, and we can talk more about that where we bring in truckloads from across the country of B-grade produce, um, and then also our local gleaning program, which is what Brooke and I really work together on. And uh, throughout the season, we need thousands of volunteer hours and uh work with different farms to to go and, and get excess produce uh, from the farm or from the farmer's market and also from some local distributors. So I got involved in After the Harvest. Um, actually, there was a previous organization doing um, similar work in the Kansas City area. It was a nationwide organization, but our previous executive director, Lisa Owsley, was working there uh, at the time. So I think back in about 2009, um, I was at the Eat Local and Organic Expo. And someone like Brooke was at a table and saying, hey, we need volunteers. How, how do you have a truck? Do you, would you like to pick up produce? Do you have weekends free? Um, and I'm like, yeah, I'll sign up for this. And 
got a phone call a few weeks later and said, hey, there's a farmer that's uh, that's close to your house that has some eggplant and zucchini. And could you would you mind picking that up and taking that to a, a local food pantry? I said, sure, I'm not doing anything right now. So I went and did that and I was immediately hooked. Um, so for several years, I was a, a regular volunteer and became part of the the veg squad, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. And uh, just really enjoyed it. And um, and then back in 2020, my job situation changed. I've been working in the corporate world and uh, was not doing that anymore. Not really feeling fulfilled, but really enjoyed the volunteer hours and saw that there was a a position the gleaning field coordinators. They're out in the field with the volunteers. Um, and so I, I'll, I'll do that and, and started out doing some some driving and some coordinating of different uh, meetings and uh, now I'm look at 2023 I'm the the full-time program manager and really loving it. I love how many people have decided that the corporate world is just not for them and that they get to move into doing things that they were either previously like volunteering for or just something that they were really passionate or interested in and get to make it like their full-time thing. I just, I, 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 I love that. I just love hearing stories like that. So we will dive into um, a little bit more about the volunteer opportunities and the the gleaning and all that kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Fun fact, as Lisa was starting to kind of move into this organization, I was starting as a market vendor. Um, and I think our first year was 2008. And I think it was probably 2010 when we started to have volunteers coming out to pick up from us at the farmer's market. And and it's just kind of continued ever since. So that's pretty much how I, I learned about After the Harvest and some of the other organizations. Talk a little bit about, and, and this is for either one of you, the reason behind why this organization and other organizations like it exist, you know, the, the, the food insecurities that, that we're facing. And I mean, Brooke, you talked about, you know, working with a kids program too. I mean, where, what is happening with the produce that you guys are getting and, and who is it going to and why? Um, so I guess I can, I can take that. So um, the uh, there's a huge food waste problem in this country. So um, there's a lot of food that never makes it to people's plate. Um, you know, we waste a lot on our plate, um, but even before that, food is graded out in the farm field. The farmer looks at the the produce and decides, uh, this is probably not sellable and may just leave that on the vine. Sometimes it makes it to a packing house or some other sorting, and then it's again sorted there. Uh, if it gets to the grocery store shelf, it sits there too long. It's not the prettiest it's going to get sorted out there. So all throughout the food chain, there's food waste. And we are trying to stop that food waste as soon as possible within the <laughs> within the food chain. So just to try and, and prevent that food from going to waste and get it to people who need it. So we work with Harvesters, the local food bank, as well as over 100 individual agencies throughout Kansas City. Um, and those may be shelters, could be abuse shelters, homeless shelters. They could be kitchens that are feeding people. Um, it could be food pantries. So, and a lot of people think, oh, this is just going to, to homeless people or something like that. And that's that's one of the places that it goes, but it goes to families who you know, maybe just don't know where their next meal is coming from. The The parents mm-hmm. are working, but they, they still can't make ends meet. Um, but we work with all different agencies. We don't actually distribute the food to the individuals, but we distribute to the all different agencies all throughout Kansas City that that distribute to people. And I mean, Brooke, what is the what is the Caring for Kids program? 
Um, so that is a program that is through the Kansas City Public School District. Um, so um, most of their schools have this, and it's basically a way that most of um, the school counselors are the ones who run the programs um, for each individual school. And it's basically a way to get the community involved in the schools to help them in any way that the school is needing. So um, at the beginning of each school year, the school uh, administrators and counselors get together and make like a list of goals of what they want to see in their schools for the year. And that can be anything. And so then with that list of goals, they then go to their community partners like us. And then there's, you know, various different other organizations that also help with the, with the caring for kids programs at different schools that help them meet those goals. For a lot of them, it's like, oh, we want to boost teacher morale. How can we do that? So like next week, one of our schools is having a teacher appreciation. So we're going to like make little fruit baskets for the teachers, you know, and just different things like that. And then, or they have like, they want more parent involvement. And so we also did a, another school had organized like a breakfast for um, parents to come and sit with their students and just, you know, get together. And so we donated some produce for that breakfast. Um, so just kind of sitting by and like listening to the schools, see what they need and be like, oh, I think we can help with this, or I think we can do that. And one thing that we also do with our schools, um, one of our schools is do like a produce distribution day. Um, so in the fall, we did that at one of our schools and we distributed like 3000 pounds to families directly. So we, wow. Yeah, most of these schools that, uh, that Brooks mentioned, they're uh, in areas where uh, the population is, the majority of the population is below the poverty level. So these are yeah. our schools that, you know, they may not have, they may be in a food desert or they're in an area where the families can't necessarily afford food or all the students are mainly on like a reduced lunch or free lunch type program. So um, we're trying to, to supplement some of what they are able to take home with fresh fruits and vegetables or um, be able to just give, give them an option, a healthier option. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I can imagine that the logistics of trying to get food, because essentially what you guys do is you organize volunteer like gleaning teams to go out to individual farms to take produce that has been left in the field that is still obviously usable and bringing it back. You also visit area farmers markets to collect anything that's been you know graded out or that's left over at the end of the day and take it um, to where it can be used. And then you also organize truckloads of stuff being brought in um, from other larger organizations to distribute here in the Kansas City area. The logistics alone behind trying to organize all of those different facets of all this produce being moved around has got to be just insane. <laughs> like, talk to me a little <laughs> yes. bit about how you coordinate all of these different components and then finally turn around and get it back out to the different organizations that need it as quickly as it takes, because obviously we're talking about perishable foods here. So what is like a typical, I don't know, routine as far as like, let's start with the gleaning portion of it. When you get a volunteer group that goes out to glean in a farmer's field, how does that process start and where does it end up? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it, a lot of it's really about relationships. And throughout the years, um, we've had the fortune of making some really good relationships with a lot of people, with our farmers, with our volunteers, uh, with the different agencies. And um, we post our um, volunteer calendar in the spring, uh, early in the spring before the season really starts. And we can pretty confidently say that we will have uh, gleanings available for volunteer groups to sign up on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays all throughout the season from basically May until November. So we don't necessarily know exactly where we'll be gleaning at that time because we have, though we have some things that we know in the fall, we're most likely going to have the opportunity to be at an orchard. Um, you know, if you're signing up in, in September, we will probably be at an orchard and we can can guess that or have a little more predictability. Um, but all throughout the summer, we have all different farms that we work with. And a lot of times this is on a, a moment's notice. Someone will call and say, hey, there's going to be a frost tomorrow. I really need to get everything out. And so we have to gather volunteers. That's a little bit different um, type of situation unless that happens to fall you know, the night before a Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday. But yeah. um, <clears throat> on those Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays, uh, we have a lot of different farms that we go to regularly. Um, some of them are planting specifically for us to come and harvest. You know, they, they'll plant a few extra rows and we can go out and, and harvest that extra. Or they've already gone through. We know they're going to go to market on, on Wednesday. So then on Thursday, we can come and, and clear out, you know, what's what was left after they've they've harvested on before the Wednesday market. Um, so we have different those different types of relationships. And then when volunteers sign up, we just let them know they'll be somewhere within basically an hour of the Kansas City area. And sometimes in the, the heat of the summer, uh, we like to start pretty early in the morning just to make sure you know, that that produce lasts longer because it's being picked when it's not too hot. And also our volunteers are not out there overheating. So it's a, an early morning on the farm. Uh, but if a group reaches out and says, hey, I want to sign up, we can we can sign up on specific dates and, and schedule things. But really those Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays and kind of sticking to a, a schedule, as long as our, our volunteers understand, hey, we may not know exactly where we're going to be. We will be working on a farm near the Kansas City area and... Uh, and be prepared to get dirty and sweaty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. you will take a group of volunteers out and they will either glean what is left or they will pick the rows that that farmer has specifically planted. And then, you know, how is that getting transported from the farm? Where does it go? And then where does it go from there? We definitely rely on our volunteers to help with that as well. Um, so once we know who the volunteers are, and if they've, when they sign up, there's a, an option, would you be willing to, to deliver produce after your shift is over? And so if they say yes, then we ask, what part of town are you headed to? Um, and then we can try to make it as convenient as possible for them to say, okay, they're headed back towards the downtown area. Let's make some phone calls to some downtown agencies and see if, we can, if they could use these tomatoes that we're picking today. And so we'll coordinate all of that. And then basically the They'll be handed a piece of paper with the the directions and the receipt information and uh, can pass that off to the, the agency where they're delivering the food. So it is quite literally going from the field directly to whomever it's going to go to. There is no yeah. holding. There is no storing or transferring. It's like, hey, get it out of the field and into the hands of the organization. Yeah, it's I mean, yep. it's farm fresh produce. We want to make sure 
it gets to you as quick as possible. Sometimes this is the not the prettiest produce. Sometimes it's it's fine. Sometimes it's perfectly good produce, but you know, sometimes it has a spot or it's a little wrinkly or something like that. You want to eat it within the next day or two. So we try to get it out as quick as possible because the longer it's going to be stored or set aside, the less shelf life that that has. So just want to make sure that people yeah. are getting the freshest, best produce available. Yeah, and, for sure. I knew as far as like the pickups at the farmer's market, it, it wasn't until this year that I actually knew that it was being picked up from us and then going directly to yep. the food bank or whoever it was they were working with. Our volunteer that shows up, you know, he I was talking to him about it. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going over to the church and dropping it off or I'm going over here. And I was like, oh, you go right from here over yep. because I'm, you know, we're donating things like peaches you know and things that are definitely you know perishable and right. you you know you don't want that sitting around so i didn't and i didn't realize the same thing was happening as it was coming out of the field that's fantastic yeah so we we store very little food um currently we actually don't we have a refrigerated truck but we don't um have a regular refrigerated storage that that we use um so we we try to get everything out within the same day that that it's picked up and our volunteers really like that too it's they're not only are they seeing how it's grown in the field, but they're getting it to the person or to the place that is serving the people as well. So you're seeing the full the full cycle of that food all the way from the farm to the the agency that's feeding people. So it's it's nice to be able to see it, you know, see it picked and then see the results of your work out in the field and and like, oh, there are people that need this and you know, that it's it's really you know, getting used right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's fantastic. Now, I understand you also fundraise to bring semi truckloads of like donated produce here. How is that being like, how are you coming across these truckloads of of produce that end up showing up in the Kansas City area? Um, so we have some relationships with um, various distributors that work with uh, different farmers. So we have uh, a relationship that's that we've had for many years with um a potato grower and they all of their b-grade potatoes or you know, potatoes that are too big or too lumpy or you know there's great things are graded out for so many <laughs> so many reasons but oh yeah they, uh, <laughs> um we're able to bring in basically forty thousand pounds at a time uh, of potatoes and um so we bring those in all throughout potato season which um we we tend to bring in the most potatoes kind of through the the winter months, especially when we're not out there, they're gleaning. Um, but we have some other relationships that are able to bring in tropical fruit and um, you know, any other, anything else that maybe not grown around here. Um, we also work with some local growers to, to um, secure semi truckload size loads of um, locally grown food as well. We work with some uh, Amish and Mennonite farmers in the Rich Hill area. And so all throughout the local growing season here, those growers are selling that fresh local produce to um, grocery stores and different produce auctions here in the area. But zucchinis, for example, have to be a very specific size. If they're in the grocery store, the, the shelf is made to fit a certain size zucchini and uh, I know you, you as a grower, and probably a lot of people listening know that zucchinis can get out of control very quickly. <laughs> um, so baseball uh, bat sized, yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're able to to get some of those types of items donated for basically pennies on the pound, um, and bring those those in to be distributed as well. 
It's time to get moving on the gardening season and the folks at Elm Dirt have us covered. From potting mix to worm castings, their fantastic plant juice and bloom juice, even their new kelp mist foliar spray, they've got what we gardeners need for starting and growing plants of all kinds. They've even got gift bundles for the beginning gardener or the plant lover in your life. Listeners of this podcast get a free bottle of bloom juice with any purchase from Elm Dirt. So head to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash dirt and use code justgrow at checkout for your free bottle. The link is in the show notes. Yeah, that's all. That's a that's a lot of food moving through the system. Um, is there like a minimum amount that you guys require as far as either somebody going out to glean, or is there a way that people can you know get smaller amounts to the organization for distribution? Yeah. Um, so if we're going to head out to a farm um, and pick up, normally we would say at least fifty pounds to have so that a volunteer, you know, it's worth the gas and time for a volunteer to, to travel and pick it up. But honestly, if, if someone called us and said, hey, I have these 20 extra tomatoes, I don't know where to take them. We have relationships with enough pantries that we could say, well, if you don't mind, you know, running over here to Shawnee or you know, where we'll find a place where that's close to them. Um, and we can, we can make some phone calls and, or refer them to a local pantry that, that might be able to take that. See, now I love this because, you know, I talk a lot to gardeners about being able to grow something extra. I mean, not everybody is a farmer. They don't have, you know, huge areas where they can grow a bunch of extra rows that's going to produce that extra, you know, 50 to 100 pounds. But there are a lot of gardeners who want to get involved by just planting a couple of extra rows in their own garden that they would be able to then donate. Not everybody has a relationship with their, you know, their food bank around the corner. Like for me, I know where to go right here in our own town. I know where to go one town over and I can donate directly if I want to. Um, But not everybody knows that. So, you know, how can home gardeners get involved with donating produce from their own home gardens to organizations like yours? Maybe not necessarily after the harvest. I mean, we've got listeners all over, um, but just like their own local organizations. Definitely make a a phone call or stop in at local organizations that are near you. you If you're you're in the Kansas City area or nearby, definitely feel free to give us a call and we can help connect you with some of those agencies. You know, we kind of have a schedule in our system to know that on Tuesdays, this place serves and on Saturdays, this place serves. And so we can, depending on the day of the week, one place might make more sense than another, or um, depending on what you have, you know, there are communities that appreciate that or, or need that more. Um, just thinking of you know some of the, the spicy peppers, some of the agencies will say, oh, our, our clients just don't, don't use those. But other agencies, oh my gosh, thank you so much. We, you know, we love these. And so we have an idea through um, the database that we keep of some of those items that are are more in demand or the hours of the different places. Um, But definitely just reach out to those local pantries. There are churches, there are homeless shelters, there are battered women shelters, kitchens feeding people, um, you know, so many different ways to to get that out to, to people who need it. What other volunteer opportunities are there for folks to kind of jump in with after the harvest and see where they can help out? We talked about gleaning and and then maybe possibly going and picking up and delivering from farmers markets. What else do we what else do we have here? 
Yeah. So those are the two main ones that we have basically multiple times a week, May through November. Um, And then we also, for people who maybe don't want to get their hands dirty or lift a bunch of produce, but I'm sure the people who listen to this are more up that alley, but um, we also have um, what's called our ambassadors, and those are a group of people who basically are tabling at community events and getting the word out about what we do, recruiting volunteers, and also helping with those community partners in any way that they can. So yeah, those are the three main things that we those three main opportunities that we have pretty regularly. And then we also have like a couple of special events every year um, that also require like a day of kind of help, but gleaning and doing the produce rescue driving are the the two things. And the produce rescue driving is at um, farmer's markets. That's like the weekly regular um, thing that's scheduled, but we also have like last minute pickups at farms themselves Um, throughout the season. It's like, oh, this farmer harvested a bunch of tomatoes and they're not going to be able to sell all of them. They want to donate some. So we have volunteers go last minute and go pick up and deliver um, from farms themselves as well. And then we also, for like those last minute gleanings, um, those ones that maybe don't fall on a (laughs) Uh, Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday, but need are very time sensitive. We have what's called our veg squad, um, which those are the people who have like signed up to be like our last last minute response team to go out to fields and glean for us when when we just really need people to go like right then. So I was going to ask about that. I was wondering if there was any any time when, you know, you had a situation where, hey, you got this phone call, we've got this field that needs to be gleaned and it needs to be done now and you didn't end up with enough volunteers on the schedule. What do you do in that instance? So you have people that are kind of on standby then to be able to take care of that. Yeah, that's a vegetable emergency. So those people, our veg squad actually stands for vegetable emergency gleaners mm-hmm. and i'll let brooke talk more about that but it, the the vegetable emergency is is definitely uh, oh, i love this okay <laughs> yeah. tell me more yeah so those are the people who sign up and they're on our our little um we have like a whatsapp group and anytime there's any last minute like gleaning or last minute like farm pickup usually we just send a message out like hey we need someone over here at this farm And then, yeah, we are usually able to find someone, um, but it's usually only like one or two people. And um, it's not always a lot of um, produce when it's last minute like that. Sometimes it is, but we're usually able to scramble and and get it figured out. But yeah, the veg squad, those are the ones that really kind of carry us through the season, I would say. And um, even, even if they aren't only doing like the last minute, things they are usually the ones that are gleaning with us probably on a weekly basis if not like every other week and basically what we say that qualifies someone for a veg squad is if they they volunteered with us more than three times which is pretty easy to do when we have three opportunities a week so yeah I think we usually we have like around 40 or so of those volunteers that are um, really committed <laughs> to helping us. And well, a large portion of those are retired people. So yeah, um, someone who has a flexible schedule um, or just 
wants to to volunteer more um mm -hmm. it gives you those opportunities to just kind of get alerts when things are available and like hey i'm not doing anything today i i think i i could go run over to to this farm at overland park and drop off pick up and drop off some some produce so it's yeah. you know, maybe an hour or two at a time um or you know who wants to go pick corn today so just really you know all kinds of various opportunities but a lot of times those pop, pop up at the last minute or we don't have enough volunteers signed up that day and you know could we we could just use an extra one or two people you know who who wants to jump in I've seen that firsthand with the with the farmers market because there is you know there's one guy who is very consistent about showing up when when it's his turn to volunteer but obviously he's not going to be there every single weekend and I have noticed that if it's not him uh, it is very hit or miss as to whether or not somebody shows up to pick up from all the different vendors at the end of the day you know I mean and yes. the, you know I know where to donate directly. And so I will talk to the other farmers and say, hey, if they don't show up, you can drop it off at my booth and I will take it where I can, you know, if I have the time to be able to coordinate that with them. But we often don't know whether or not they're going to show up or not until the very, you know, the very end of the day. And so, again, I mean, when you're trying to operate with strictly like a volunteer force, it's not like you can hold people's, you know, hands to the or feet to the fire and say, hey, no, you said you were going to be here. You need to be here, you know? So I can just, the challenges, I, I can only imagine, you know, the scrambling that you guys sometimes have to do with <laughs> just the sheer volume of stuff that you are managing. Yeah, we have a lot of really yes. great volunteers, but, you know, there are always times when, you know, everybody else is already doing something or they're on vacation that week or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. so unfortunately there, there is still, there are still vegetable emergencies and still vegetables that are falling through the cracks. So we, the more volunteers that we have that are interested in this kind of thing and those, the farmer's markets there, we have a lot of volunteers that really enjoy doing that, but it, it takes a commitment to say, yeah, I'm going to once a month or every Saturday afternoon, I like to go to the farmer's market but then I'm instead of just going to the farmer's market and shopping for myself, I'm going to also go to the farmer's market and pick up these pro these donations and and drop them off on my way home. So it's it adds adds an experience to your farmer's market trip. But uh, you know, it takes some dedication to to be willing to well, do I mean, that. And it's work. You know, I mean, yeah. it's especially depending on the size of the market and the number of vendors that you have to stop with and how much they've got to donate that day and number of trips back and forth to your vehicle, depending on where you have to park. I mean, and some of this, you know, I mean, there's times when I've donated 40 pounds, you know, at a time. And if you have 10 vendors who are doing that, you know, then that's a lot of stuff to be moving. So yeah, it's not just like anybody can go and do this. There is some work involved. And I mean, we greatly appreciate the fact that there are people out there who are willing to do that work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the the finding the consistent, I think Clay, Clay was here during the pandemic. And so he knows that there was like an influx of volunteers during that time. But then I think last year, as things started to get, back to normal um people were scheduling more vacations and stuff like that and we're just back to doing their regular summer summer things and so yeah it was a challenge to fill gleanings and it was a challenge to fill those farmers market uh shifts last season so yeah those that that list of veg squad were the ones that were really pulling through for us um yeah, if you don't have someone who's coming on a regular schedule, it's it's hard to kind of find those people 
last minute that are like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take my Saturday afternoon to come. So yeah, it's, it's something that we're always working on and trying to fill those as early as we can. Yeah. And that's, and that like last year, that was 15 different markets per week. Um, so that's a lot of people that are needed to, to cover 15 markets a, a, a week. And most of those are on Saturdays, a few on Sundays. Yeah, that's a week. lot. That's yeah. a lot of coordination. So I know that one of your major events is your Sweet Corn Gleanathon. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so we work with the uh, Agricultural Hall of Fame um, in Kansas City and Bonner Springs, and also with multiple local farmers. And the Sweet Corn Gleanathon and Sweet Corn Festival are uh, big events happening mainly in July. Um, and we have corporate groups that sponsor this event and those corporate teams and also any families or church groups or anyone else that wants to come out. You can come out and compete and pick corn. And, and um, I don't know what our goal will be this year, but we wanted to get 50,000 ears of corn last year. And we definitely we beat that goal. We have sponsors that sponsor to pay for the seed for that to be planted and then farmers that plant that seed and tend to the those fields. And then we have those groups come out and who can pick the most corn today and other different challenges to, to be able to, to really just make it a fun kind of a team building or you know, just a fun environment uh, to go out and help feed people. That last year was our first year of, of having that event and uh, we really enjoyed doing it and we're gonna bring that back as, as an annual event. Um, and then along with that um, at the Ag Hall of Fame in Bonner Springs, which for those people who are interested in in farming and growing, it's a, a great day trip to go see the the farm museum and, and check it out as well. But they open up their their grounds to us, and we have a sweet corn festival um, with crafts and games and activities, and music, um, and, and corn. Lots of sweet corn, <laughs> lots of food. Lots um, of corn. So it's a yeah. lot of fun, and that'll be in late July at the Ag Hall of Fame. That that information is also on our our website. Mm-hmm. And not only, um, not just corporate groups can can have a team with us. We've had, we had some um, church groups also do teams to go glean too. Anything that you can make into a competition, I mean, yeah. come on, you know, like yeah, I mean, and I've picked corn in July, so it's definitely mm-hmm. it's a competition. It's not something that's easy. <laughs> I think that's that's super fun and and a, a great way to get people involved. So I'm good to hear. I'm glad to hear you guys are going to do that again this year. That's yeah, awesome. it was it was really fun. People strategizing, fun. you know how how are we going to do this? So they would send out you know people to go and pick, and other people were running the bags, or some of the teams mm-hmm. were you know, having somebody hold the bag while somebody else fills the bag. And so everybody had their own strategies to see, you know, how we can do this faster and, and more efficiently and, and harvest the most corn. So it was really a lot of fun, competitive environment. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, you know, I mean, I will definitely, when you guys have that event this year, again, continue to push, push your posts out there and, and let people know about it. Cause that was, that was a fun time last year. I love it. So thank you. So if somebody is, not able to donate, you know, produce and, and isn't able to really volunteer when it comes to gleaning or, or picking up or delivering. Are there other ways that they can contribute to after the harvest to kind of help further your mission? Yeah, that so that group of the ambassadors who helps us at different community events, like we're doing, we're going to be at the Eat Local Expo. That was actually how I started working with 
after the harvest is I yeah. just signed up as a volunteer there but yeah yeah so we're gonna be there um and then we're doing like an earth day event so we try and um go to different things out in the community to spread the word and recruit volunteers and use existing volunteers to help do that and then they also the ambassadors can help us with our community partners those elementary schools um just any way that they can what about fundraising efforts Fun, yeah there's definitely and fundraising yeah always always, always. The opportunity to uh to donate if, if you can't volunteer in person or um, donate produce your donations help get that produce from the field and to to people who need it so um, you know all of these things that we do cost money we do use volunteers for a lot of our efforts but you know we still have a building and fuel and uh, paying for truckloads of produce to come from across the country. So you know, any financial support is also welcome. And um, all of these things, the volunteer opportunities and opportunities to donate are on our website at aftertheharvestkc.org. And that was what I was just about to ask you is where everybody <laughs> can find that information. So that was perfect timing. Brooke and Clay, I really appreciate you guys coming on today and talking a little bit about your organization and you know, hopefully this will kind of spur some of the gardeners that listen to this show to grow some extra or maybe even just volunteer, whether it's with you guys or depending on where they are, their local um, organization. So um, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you thank so you much, much for having us. I can't stress enough how important it is for us to not only keep food waste out of the landfills, but to get that perfectly good produce into the hands of those that may be relying on boxed, processed foods to feed their families. So if you are here in the KC metro area and interested in either donating produce to After the Harvest or joining them as a volunteer, I have all the links you need in the show notes, including a link to the gleaning calendar and info about the amazing Sweet Corn Gleanathon and Festival happening in July. I have also left a link in the episode description to the National Gleaning Project, which showcases a map of the U.S. highlighting gleaning and food recovery organizations nationwide. If you're not aware of one in your area and you live in the U.S., this is a great place to start. And if you're outside the U.S., I'm sure there is an organization within your local area that is serving people in need that would love to have a volunteer or someone donating fresh produce. Please do not hesitate to reach out to a local food bank or pantry and find out what they need. I've seen firsthand how excited folks get when they go in to receive assistance and have the options for fresh fruits and vegetables for their family instead of boxed or canned goods. And we all know the nutritional value is much higher. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and maybe making some donations, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.